At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. atrocity do you want to get enraged about first the fact that yesterday i began by saying today we begin to find out if we still have a constitution it turns out sorry i guess we don't and the three liberal justices are complicit in that or the fact that a partisan hack appointed by trump managed to turn his nothing burger investigation of biden and the returned documents into christmas for the fascists by inserting unwarranted unjustifiable indefensible medical opinions about the president's memory into it and that's the headline and oh by the way where's the goddamned attorney general on this I guess you now already know which atrocity I'm going to enrage you about first. Honest to God, let me start at that second point. Where did we get this asshole Merrick Garland? I mean, bending over too far backwards, only so you can fall flat on your face week after week and month after month and year after year is one thing. But to let the special counsel you named to do a bullshit investigation into some bullshit misplaced papers, misplaced and returned papers, seven million documents, couple of hundred witnesses, an investigation lasting a year, not only no charges, but even this political whore Robert Herr felt compelled to contrast it to Trump's treachery and probable espionage by noting that Biden cooperated fully and reported the missing papers himself and returned everything and there was no evidence with which to make a case that he deliberately kept anything to let your appointee then inject his opinion of the president's memory as if he were a doctor. And I mean, doctor, hell, this guy should not be a lawyer and turn this report into a hammer with which he sneaks up behind the president of the United States and hits him in the back of the head while he's not looking. What the hell kind of attorney general are you, Garland? 
Merrick Garland would never have had the requisite courage, about as much courage as a dog needs to pee on a fire hydrant, to charge Trump for trying to overturn the election and overthrow the government and done who knows what to the duly elected president he would have had to get rid of somehow. Garland would never have done that if Trump hadn't also stolen classified documents so secret that most investigators and prosecutors had to get special clearance just to know what their names were. Garland should have appointed a special counsel to prosecute Trump for January 6th within 10 minutes of his confirmation. But instead, he waited nearly two years. And now, entirely because of Merrick Garland, we are racing the clock to put the greatest criminal in American history in jail rather than back in command of everything, including the Justice Department, where one of the first people he would try to crucify would be Merrick Garland. Nice work, idiot. And now this? And now a document comes out of Merrick Garland's Justice Department questioning the president's memory? Is the document from a doctor? Is the document from a non-politician? Is the document full of context like, oh, Trump keeps forgetting the president is Biden and not Obama or Hillary Clinton. And he says by Obama Clinton was president in 2020 and not him and shown a picture of E. Jean Carroll, who he raped, by the way. Trump identifies her as his second wife, Marla Maples. Oh, and when he actually had to answer the questions of a special counsel, Robert Mueller, Trump said, I don't recall or I don't remember or I cannot recollect 30 times. And Trump Jr. said it 54 times, and Pence didn't recall whether or not they told him beforehand about his role in the fake elector scheme. Oh, and the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, just celebrated his birthday by calling Israel Iran. Because everybody makes that mistake, and because Johnson making that impossible to rationalize error must be proof that the Speaker is an elderly man with a poor memory, an elderly man at age 52, because not having every fact right off the top of your head at all times is a reason for a Justice Department employee to put his schlong on the political scale and try to throw the election to the guy who plans to be a dictator. Thank you, Merrick Garland. Resign. Or flee the country. You have just out Bill Bard, Bill Barr. Merrick Garland. Shameful, incompetent, gutless dilettante. Shaking, shrinking, sheep in sheep's clothing. And as to this special counsel, and special is a brand name, Mr. Her having spent a year desperately searching for a crime and finding none, and having to say he has found none, Mr. Herr, the William Rehnquist law clerk, and the special assistant to Christopher Ray, and the top aide to Rod Rosenstein, and an appointee of Dementia J. Trump, and a contributor to the Federalist Society, and oh, by the way, he's not a doctor, but he plays one in Department of Justice documents. Mr. Herr has violated an amazing number of ethical minimums. I mean, even for a lawyer, even for a Republican, he has gone so above and beyond his rights that disbarment procedures should begin against him today. I understand that there is a silver lining built into this fiasco if the Biden campaign will simply grab it 
And that silver lining is those interior poll numbers last October overwhelmingly showed that if voters think both Biden and Trump are considered old, those voters will vote for Biden by 61% to 13%. I get it. I get it. This might help me calm down by Monday or Tuesday. And I get it that as desperately as nine out of ten reporters could not have dreamed there could possibly be such a wonderful both sidesist shield to protect themselves and their editors against Trump and the far right as a Biden DOJ document claiming Biden is elderly with a poor memory, the shiny object chasers of our hapless political media will in fact grab on to something new by next Monday or Tuesday. And I understand that Biden's best play here is not just to do the Super Bowl interview Sunday after all, but then I don't know, do it, do it while, do it while he's bicycling or while he's blindfolded or while he is simultaneously translating his own answers into Spanish. And I understand that Biden's play after that is to order his people to take the gloves off and not only from behind the scenes destroy this clod Robert Herr, but to make sure that every day until the election, they put out meme after meme and guest after guest and interview after interview and story bait after story bait in which somebody reminds America that Donald John Trump has dementia and personality disorders and he is a traitor who read our war plans out loud to some publishers and he is a racist and he is a dictator waiting to happen and he is a compulsive liar and he is a rapist. And I understand that to have Merrick Garland fire Robert Hur today and then to have Biden himself fire Merrick Garland today, that would be to exacerbate this system and turn a dumpster fire into an inferno. But God damn how I wish Biden could do both of these things today. Hur's malfeasance in this case may end only one way, with him appointed to the Supreme Court if a Republican regains the White House. Hell, if that's Trump, her might get a pardon and a spot on the Supreme Court. Which reminds me, the entire Mitch McConnell dance about Merrick Garland eight years ago, this now makes no sense to me whatsoever. Why did Mitch McConnell oppose his nomination? Merrick Garland would have been a reliable conservative vote on the Supreme Court, only better than a conservative making conservative votes on the Supreme Court. He would have dressed it up and furrowed his brow in such a way that while issuing conservative opinions, he could have pretended he was a liberal, you know, like Elena Kagan. Ellie Mistal, the Supreme Court expert of the nation, on whose judgment I rely, thinks that after yesterday's oral arguments in the 14th Amendment case, Trump v. Anderson, that Kagan could vote for Trump. And Sotomayor might vote for Trump. And Ketanji Brown-Jackson will vote for Trump. That after their questions, the vote could be 9 nothing for Trump and against, you know, the Constitution of the United States, the 14th Amendment. 
Kagan and Sotomayor and Jackson cannot stop a religious nut, a hapless chief justice, a crooked old man, and three Trump employees from giving him this verdict. But if it is unanimous, if Kagan and Sotomayor and Jackson don't oppose and don't write a searing dissent, they should resign. Because what they did yesterday made me wonder if I could somehow demand to see proof that they did not get their law degrees out of boxes of Cracker Jack. I mean, I half expected a statement from one of the justices like this, quote, I think that the question that you have to confront is why a single state should decide who gets to be president of the United States, because that's exactly the kind of thing I believe Brett Kavanaugh says while drunk. Except that was not said by Brett Kavanaugh. It was Elena Kagan who said that a single state deciding who gets to be president Seriously, Madam Justice, it isn't a single goddamn state deciding this. Just because the officials and the attorneys from one state have more intelligence and guts than you do, that doesn't mean they are deciding who's president. The state of Colorado is not deciding who's president. You are deciding a case. The Supreme Court is deciding this. And you, Justice Kagan, are on the Supreme Court. Doesn't that say so on your letterhead? And by the way, it's not even really you justices deciding it. It's the Constitution, the 14th Amendment. It's there in black and white, and you have a bathtub full of evidence about the actual debates that went on in real time before it and the meaning of every word in it. But you say, why is Colorado deciding who's president? Rather than saying Colorado is giving the Constitution the chance to decide who's eligible and who is ineligible to be president. And while Mr. Mistal says Sotomayor did make points on behalf of the Constitution and, you know, not letting traitorous presidents run again, Ketanji Brown-Jackson also shamed herself. She bought into the entire nonsensical argument that because the list of people in the 14th Amendment who are said to take oaths as officers of the United States, does not explicitly include the president of the United States, and the president is not an officer. Therefore, Trump was not an officer. Therefore, Trump did not violate the 14th Amendment. Therefore, whatever the amendment says, it's not saying it about him. There was more intellectual fervor at a model United Nations I attended in the year 1974. Antonin Scalia said the president was an officer of the United States. He wrote it down. He wrote it down and sent it to two conservative scholars who had said he was not, and he told them they were wrong. And now Scalia seems likelier to vote against Trump than Katanji Brown Jackson does, and Scalia is dead right now and in hell. Oh, and just last year, some lawyers told a court in New York that the criminal charges against Trump should be moved to federal court because, wait for it, he was a federal officer. The lawyers were Trump lawyers. Trump, through his lawyers, said he was an officer of the United States, but Katanji Brown Jackson isn't sure. And if that isn't bad enough, I haven't even mentioned the conservatives' arguments here. And the worst of them was about whether Trump was actually involved 
in an insurrection. Pope Samuel Alito I said Trump never engaged in an insurrection. John Roberts, who's called Justice John Roberts because I think he changed his first name to Justice because he sure isn't running this court. John Roberts said that if they ruled against Trump, every Republican state would start defining insurrection as one thing and every Democratic state would start defining it as another. And soon you'd have to find one definition. And uh, hey, Johnny, good idea. Why don't you go do that and start on the list with uh, insurrection being trying to stop the peaceful transfer of power via armed rebellion? So Roberts said basically he's not sure January 6th was an insurrection. And as soon as the Supreme Court adjourned yesterday, you know who said January 6th was an insurrection? Trump did. Trump said January 6th was an insurrection. He said it twice. Listen carefully. And the one thing I'll say is they kept saying about what I said right after the insurrection. Jesus H. Christ. Trump thinks it was an insurrection. And of course, he attaches his insane bullshit to it about Pelosi. But Trump thinks it was an insurrection. And Sam Alito doesn't. No, to answer my question, we don't have a constitution anymore. Ellie Mistal thinks it's going to be 9 nothing, and they're going to say, well, true, that disqualification clause in there, that does not require a criminal trial. The Constitution is all-powerful, and that clause is self-executing, but individual states do not have the power to enforce because, as Ellie put it, quote, reasons. This point doesn't matter what the reasons are. They're like Merrick Garland. They are only there just so the suit of clothes has something to hang on and does not fall to the floor in a heap. But if you're planning ahead, your options for why the Supreme Court votes 9-0 or maybe 8-1, I still have hopes for Sotomayor, are one, that the president is not an officer, or in Trump's case, that he was not an officer or a gentleman. Two, that maybe he was an officer, but Trump didn't engage in insurrection. Three, that maybe he was a bad boy, but January 6th itself was not an insurrection, even though Trump now says it was an insurrection. Four, that you can't disqualify a candidate without a law defining insurrection and who could violate it. And or five, that Judge Gabby Kagan is right. Colorado doesn't get to choose the president because we can't live in a country in which one state chooses the president. And if it's that last one, Clarence Thomas will just smile quietly to himself and say, That's right, MFers. I'm the only one left who ruled on Bush v. Gore when one state, Florida, chose the president. And sadly, 
In our new Trump trials theme there, turns out that cell door appears to be closing on you and me. Also of interest here, there is a New York Times reporter who claims that the good news in Robert Hur's medical evaluation of Joe Biden is that it will end the gentleman's agreement under which reporters never brought up President Biden's age. And my only guess is that that reporter is high as a kite. But before the break, I have to offer something upbeat. I mean, the naked incompetence of Merrick Garland and the spinelessness of the justices of the Supreme Court might be bad. But how about that nominating committee for the iHeart Podcast Awards 2024 to be presented at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas on the 11th of next month? Five nominees for the best political podcast, Pod Save America, NPR Politics, CNN Inside Politics, The Ben Shapiro Show, and Countdown with the Keith... uh, I can't pronounce the rest of it. Countdown with somebody. Yes, you can vote. Yes, it's on the iHeart website. I'm not going to give you an address here on audio just google iheart podcast awards and no i'm not going to win i never win these things it's just an honor to be nominated and when i say honor i'm lying this is countdown nominated for a prestigious award at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bed 365 21 plus only must be present in ohio if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help call 1-800-GAMBLER Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Countdown with Keith Oberman. This is Sports Center. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. In sports, Dateline Washington, Capitol Hill, Senate Gallery, ex-crappy football coaches division. If you think Tommy Tuberville does not know what he's doing in the Senate, take comfort. He has not even finished not knowing what he's doing in football. 
went on a right-wing propaganda network bashing Biden's memory, and literally seconds later, Tubby could not remember the names of the teams or the quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. He can't remember names. He can't carry on a conversation. He has to listen to the press corps to give him hints about what he's talking about. Uh, we're, we're really bad trouble when it comes to Joe Biden, and hopefully we've only got 10, 12 more months with him. Uh, do you want to make a pick in the Super Bowl or... Or, or not? Well, uh, San Francisco's got the best defense. Uh, obviously, the best quarterback is going to be on the side of the uh, of Kansas City Chiefs, but they got a running back, and San, San Francisco is pretty dang good. Can't remember names. Needs hints from the press. Cracker asshole. Nice work, coach. By the way, it's Joe Montana of the Niners versus Len Dawson of the Chiefs. Why don't you go make a bet on that, coach, and stop wasting everybody else's time. Dateline Oakland or Las Vegas, Nevada, or both, the move of baseball's Oakland A's to Las Vegas is so messed up that even baseball commissioner Rob Manfred has noticed... A day after the mayor of Las Vegas said the A's plans in his town made no sense, the commissioner said the team and the sport need clarity in the next few weeks or, well, he's still Rob Manfred, so he didn't say or have the second half of that sentence mapped out. He made vague references to having the A's have to play some or all of their home games in Sacramento, maybe, with a goal of finally being ready to go to Vegas by opening day of 2028 in a stadium that would be built by then in a place where at this exact moment they have a big old hotel that's still there. If you think this with the homeless A's, this can't go on forever. Wrong again, Connie Mack breath. In late 1977, the man who had brought the A's from Kansas City to Oakland, Charles O. Finley, made a deal to move the team to Denver. And for the next three seasons, the Oakland A's were basically thought to be about to move to Denver to become the Denver A's during the winter, during the season of 1978, during the next winter, during the season of 1979, during the winter after that, during the season of 1980, with Finley as the owner, with Finley selling the A's to somebody, with Finley selling the A's to businessman Marvin Davis. This went on so long, so unresolved, that when it started, I was a junior in college. And when it finally ended, I was about to start my new job with my second radio network. And if history really repeats itself, note well, it ended in August 1980 with the A's staying in Oakland. Still ahead on Countdown? Well, hell, I got nominated for a major award, and as I've said previously, I don't win the awards. I'm like, oh, since 1985, just in the Emmys. So let's devote Fridays with Thurber to his greatest short story about what it's like when a novice goes into a broadcasting studio for the first time. How to relax while broadcasting, next. First time for the Daily Roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's... Worst persons in the world. The bronze? Worse? I may get emotional here. 
because an old friend of worst persons is back. Yes, it's Sarah Palin. And I'm happy to say that woman is still an idiot and still an idiot about Russia. She's posted the graveside meme, the two guys throwing the V for victory fingers while crouched down next to the freshly dug grave, that tasteless thing. This time the grave is marked, quote, fake news, and the guys are Putin and his favorite American, not really useful idiot, Tucker Carlson. I can see Russian propaganda from my house. I'm happy to say Sarah Palin also attended a fascist conference last week in which the sign behind her gave the date as February 3rd. February 3rd. A three with a T and an H after it. That woman is still an idiot. The runner-up were Sir Charlie Kirk and Marjorie Taylor Barney Rubble Indictable Green. They examined Mike Johnson's failure to get the Mayorkas impeachment vote passed, and they deduced that there was only one possible explanation, that the three Republican no-voters were from blackmail victims. Marjorie, do you think these people are being blackmailed by the intel agencies? They might have had relations with certain people and pictures and compromised. Do you think that they're currently being blackmailed? You know, I I have no proof of that, but I... Uh, Again, I can't understand the vote, so nothing surprises me in Washington, D.C. anymore, Charlie. Literally nothing surprises me Um, because it doesn't make sense to anyone, right? Why would anyone vote no? Why would anyone protect Mayorkas unless they're being bribed, unless there's something going on, unless they're making a deal? Nothing surprises Marge anymore except that the sun comes up on the same side every day blackmail about pedophilia you say pedophilia blackmail well remember charlie kirk and marjorie politics is ugly and so am i green it is well established that every republican accusation is actually a confession but the winner the worst osted w herndon emphasis on the os of the new york times now there are a lot of people who could have won this award for this same reason But Mr. Herndon's entry stood below the rest, succinct, lacking morality, both sizist and mostly untrue and dishonest. After the special counsel's political attack on President Biden's memory, which had no business being in his report, which is in there because the special counsel, a Republican, was trying to help Trump and the Republicans, because it restarts a right-wing and fascist talking point that they have trotted out every day since Joe Biden declared his candidacy for the presidency April 25th, 2019. Every goddamned day since. In three months, it'll be five years. Every goddamn day with this. This buffoon Herndon of the Times posts, Biden's age is very clearly the most important non-Trump issue in this elect. Polling says so. Voters say so. It's just the WH slash DC, which I assume he means White House and District of Columbia, have had a sort of gentleman's agreement for the last year to pretend like it's not. Maybe that ends now. Bullshit. You're an idiot. It is one thing to point at Joe Biden and say, old as if Trump would not be 78 and a half if he seizes power next January. It's one thing to do that, Mr. Herndon, like your ability to supply context is less than that of a talking seal. 
it is quite another to point at him and say, old, and then claim you are the only one willing to say that when every other goddamned reporter at the goddamn New York Times and every other goddamn reporter in Washington and New York and anywhere else has been hitting this again and again every day, every hour, like they invented it, minus the context, minus Trump mistaking E. Jean Carroll for Marla Maples or forgetting what year it is or forgetting who Joe Biden is. And to say there has been a gentleman's agreement to somehow minimize this? Do they pay you or are you a volunteer for that job? Because you ain't worth shit, pal. Firstly, there are no gentlemen among political reporters. Each one of you would sell your spouse to be Carl Bernstein for 10 minutes. Secondly, if there is a gentleman's agreement to pretend like it's not, it ain't working. And I guess only you... Osted W. Herndon of the New York Times, you are the only moron who signed up for it. Osted W. Herndon. Oh yeah, he's also a contributor for, wanna guess? CNN, naturally. Today's worst person in the world. Did I add F you? At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. To the number one story on the countdown, and it's Friday and the weekend edition, so that means a little more James Thurber for you. James Thurber had many full-time jobs. He was a street reporter for the Columbus Dispatch and later the New York Post, and he was an editor of The New Yorker long before he was a writer or cartoonist there. And people kept trying to make him into a radio star, leading to a short story, which is, understandably, 
one of my favorites. A lot of it speaks of broadcasting in another world and, of course, another century. But it is amazing how much of what you will hear now is still true today. From the May 5th, 1934 edition of The New Yorker, How to Relax While Broadcasting by James Thurber. The evening I went up to the studios for my first radio broadcast, I got off by mistake at the 16th floor instead of the 17th. I decided not to wait for the elevator, but just run up the stairs to the 17th floor because elevators in broadcasting buildings are always crowded with small Italian musicians carrying cellos. And furthermore, when the up sign above the elevators in these buildings lights, the operator of the car that stops where you usually says, down. And before you can think, you find yourself on the first floor again without any way of getting back up because you surrendered your pass to the man at the desk in the lobby the first time you went up. I walked to a door on the 16th floor marked stairs and stepped out into a cold, dark staircase shaft and walked up one flight. I found that the door on that floor wouldn't open. It was after 7 o'clock in the evening and the door had been officially locked. I hurried back down to the 16th floor and discovered that the door there had locked behind me, too. I began to beat on it and kick it. From far off, a faint voice came to me finally saying, Cut that out! The only thing to do was walk down 15 flights to the main floor, which I did, but the door out into the lobby was also locked, and nobody answered my screams and poundings. Screaming and pounding is not radio, as the broadcasting people say. I went down into the basement, which was dark and gloomy, and hunted for the elevator shaft. I found it, but there was no bell to push, so I sat on an old chair until the car came down. The operator was surprised to see me and asked me for my pass. I told him I didn't have a pass. He thought a while and then asked if Mr. Heyman knew I was down there. I said, I, I didn't think so. He was pretty much alarmed by that, but he took me up to the 17th floor after warning me never to come down to the basement again without a pass. There was nobody on the 17th floor who understood my case, although the people I talked to were patient and courteous. They said the 17th floor was entirely given over to the business department and had no studios or microphones. What I probably wanted was the 27th floor. Up there, I found some people I had met before, but they were pretty busy and seemed to think it was the wrong night. I sat down in a chair, and presently a man came up to me and asked me if I was Mr. Totherer. I said I wasn't sure, and he said to follow him. I was shown into an office where there were some officials I knew and some friends of mine. One of the officials was denying a story somebody had been telling about a man who fell dead in front of the microphone. It seems he had merely had a stroke. In a little while, I was led in a solemn march to a small and lonely studio, heavily draped and silent. I took out a cigarette but saw a sign saying no smoking, so I put the cigarette away again. Some men in the glassed-in control room began to look at me. I could see their lips move, but I couldn't hear anything. A man tiptoed into the room where I was and shook hands with me and tiptoed out again. He never came back. 
I walked over to a regular microphone, such as I had talked over once or twice before and had got used to, but somebody led me away from that, said I was to talk over a table microphone because it would help me to relax. This turned out to be a table about the size of a card table with a microphone set innocently in its center, face up, more or less like an ashtray. Its studied simplicity caused me to tighten up slightly, and I mentioned this to a man. Be at your ease, he said. I stood over the table, grasped its edges firmly, and leaned down toward the microphone. Someone grasped me. No, no, he said. You, you just sit down at the table as if you were sitting in a chair at any table and talk. I sat down, trying to remember how I sit in a chair at a table, especially a card table at which nobody else is sitting. Relax, said someone with a note of command. I slumped back in the chair and placed on the table the papers I was going to use and began fussing with them. Shh! Somebody hissed. Don't rustle them. This is a very highly sensitized mic, which picks up every slightest sound. It would sound like a, a waterfall if you rustled them. I began to drum my fingers on the tabletop, but a courteous official put his hand on mine and stopped that. Tapping would sound like cavalry crossing a bridge to your listeners, he explained. Just take it easy. I leaned back in my chair and adjusted my tie, doubtless giving the effect of someone trying to take a leather belt away from a bulldog. In a moment, an announcer came in and said we were all ready to go. Okay, I said, standing up. Let's get out. He smiled with calm assurance and said no. He meant that we were about to start the program. Everybody but him tiptoed out of the room. I sat down at the table again. I could see them all watching me from the control room. Somebody in there raised his hand sharply and let it drop sharply. I expected to hear the faint hiss of lethal gas escaping into the chamber, but instead the announcer started to talk. I creaked nervously in the chair at this, and the listeners heard, along with his calm announcement, the sound of a, a buckboard falling over a cliff. Finally, he pointed a finger at me. I sat bolt up and began to talk to the ashtray. When it was all over, everybody tiptoed whisperingly into the room and congratulated me on being only five seconds too slow. Not bad for a beginner. The record is one five-hundredth of a second. I got up and started out of the room, but a man followed me and took me by the arm. Where are you going, he asked. Let's all go out and get a drink, I said. But you haven't got time, he said. All this has just been the rehearsal. I must have tightened up horribly at that, for he said soothingly, Take it easy. You got plenty of time to relax in. He looked at his wristwatch. You got four minutes. How to Relax While Broadcasting by James Thurber. So I've done all the damage I can do here. Thank you for listening. Send this award-nominated podcast to somebody who hasn't heard it and would like it. And again, that's asking a lot. Somebody who'll subscribe to it. Liking it is optional. Send it to Mr. Herndon of the Times. 
Countdown musical directors Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel arranged, produced, and performed most of our music, including our brand new Trump Trials theme, 91 Trombones. Mr. Ray was on the guitars, bass, and drums. Mr. Chanel handled orchestration and keyboards, and it was produced by TKO Brothers, which is the two of them and, and basically me. My job in producing the music is to copy it. Other music, including some of the Beethoven compositions, arranged and performed by No Horns Allowed. The sports music is the Olderman theme from ESPN2, written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc. Our satirical and pithy musical comments are by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was my friend Stevie Van Zant, and everything else was pretty much my fault. So that's Countdown for this, the 271st day until the 2024 U.S. presidential election and the 1,128th day since Dementia J. Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Use the 14th Amendment. I mean, file it again if he gets elected. Use the 14th Amendment, the Insurrection Act, the justice system, and the mental health system to stop him from trying to kill us all yet again, while we still can. The next scheduled countdown is Tuesday. Bulletins as the news warrants. Till then, I'm Keith Olderman. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olderman is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts